0: as the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination, and in godly things.
1: If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh oh. Uh oh.
0: Erin Addisons
1: on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Nikki and I'm Will, and Sweet Victory and J Mac on tap to help us navigate the show as we make our way through. Um discussions that we care an awful lot about, of course, marriage, family, the church, Mm -hmm. uh keeping a close eye on politics and how that affects our ability to live freely in this country, but uh also being determined to live for the glory of God no matter (laughs) how freely we can do that or not. Um we have we have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Mm -hmm. So today's topic is going to take another look at children. Um and I was, you know, as I sit and look at these things and, and we were talking about this, um, what our discussion would be, there is a, a news article out of Maryland that really grabbed my attention. But I thought it kind of almost shouldn't. It's just that the numbers are so astronomical that <laughs> that it grabs my attention. Yeah. But it, it shouldn't you right. know, because we know anecdotally that we've got our kids uh, really being taken hostage by this culture. Uh, so many parents are complicit and kind of i would say positioning our kids at the drop off and they're just taken hostage and and that's yeah. unfortunate uh because i think it would it would devastate many many parents to even consider or explore the fact that we could be complicit in kind of handing our kids over to this culture and yet it happens in so many ways so many small ways that go undetected one of the things that we try to do on this program is help you detect them yeah we just we are trying to say hey um check this out and 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 by the way i am aware that it's uncomfortable i'm aware that it's uncomfortable to have these these conversations especially when the conversations provoke us toward an action that we're just like ah you know what i mean like how can i do it it's it's not going to be easy. Uh, Will the Great um, <laughs> led a conversation at our dinner table last night where he was talking about um, more fiber in our diets <laughs> and how we need more fiber. We need to be eating more fiber. And I was sitting there and I was just like, it's a great conversation. But my imme- just to be completely transparent, my immediate thought was like, oh, I'm going to have to think about doing <laughs> something Oh, <laughs> dear friend, like, what do you want? Like, what is, whats what's going? got, where are we going to get the fiber? And then one of the kids said, okay, so, so where are some of the places that we can get more fiber in our diet and, and all of this? And, <laughs> and that's a light conversation right. to have, but the response is the same. Can I just be frank about it or Miki, but just honest, can I just tell you that the response is the same? Like if somebody is um, bringing up some information, something that they have learned and something about that information provokes us to mm-hmm. action, there is there is this sort of, I, I don't know, there's a natural response to that. It's like, oh, man, you know, kind of <laughs> taking us out of our natural inclination. Yeah. It's uh, very similar to a baby suddenly crying <laughs> right. in, in, in the middle of the night. Yeah, You yeah. know that there is something wrong and you yeah. have to deal with it, but nobody just like kind of, you know, just jumps up like yay, yeah, yay! Yeah. All right, let's go. It's like oh my goodness, what's going on? I'm gonna have to deal with this, right? But boy, I sure did like sleeping.
0: But the thing is, if the information is presented and we're talking about this, but there, there's also like no hope, you know? Then that mm-hmm. would be um, something that would weary you. So, but yeah. we present hope. We there is we hope. Present you know, what the word of God says. Oh, man. And, you know, so because I, I know these conversations could be like, you know, Steve Urkel, man, I'm wearing you down. I'm you wearing know? you down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just one of those things because we talk about it so much. Yeah. But it, yeah. we have to because these are the things that are, are, are happening. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we're presenting hope. We're presenting mm-hmm. the scriptures, the, what the word of God says about this. So hopefully for the believer and those who are listening, it would be not only a like, oh, ah, but a encouragement to, to That's fight. That's right. You that's know what right. I'm
1: saying? Man, that's such a that's such a great point that you're making there about the presentation of hope. Because if there was no hope for the Christian living in the world, but mm-hmm. determined by the mercy of God not to be of it, but if there was no hope, then there wouldn't be so much instruction for us. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, think about that. Like we yeah. at a very basic level, as we listen and as we're processing and as we say, There is hope. Here is what we can do differently. Here is how we can pay attention better. Right. Mm -hmm. Here's how we can be sharper. And you add to that what you already know to be found in the firm, reliable, authoritative word of God. And your hope just increases. I mean, if there was no way that you could do these things. Right. If there was if there was really sort of no expectation (laughs) that you could do these things, why would these things be prescribed for us? Mm. You know, why would the rearing of right, our children, the right. bringing them up in the in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? Why would those things be instructive for us if you just can't do it? Right. Like if you and 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 why would our eternal creator instruct us to do these things if they could only work in certain times and mm, in certain places? Right. You know what I mean? It's like that's a right. limited showing. You only only these parents could do it. Right. But you there in 21st century America uh sorry. No, we can, we, we have by the mercy of God, um, and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit of God, Mm -hmm. we can do the things that are required of us in scripture and we can see our kids spared the destruction of this generation. I think of, um, the pilgrims progress and, and because I've been reading it a lot, reading it a lot, I'm, I'm actually going through another presentation of it with Nathaniel because Mm -hmm. he loves it so much. And so Um, this one is the dangerous journey. It's a shorter one, but every time I read it and, you know, kind of have a discussion with him, I'm reminded of how difficult it is for the pilgrim to live in this world. Mm. And I'm reminded of all the things that press in on us, but I think about it and I think, wow, every Christian has faced a sort of pressing in on by the culture, right? Like it's not it's not something that's just new to us. Now, what we are battling um, may feel way more intense, you know, and and maybe there are new presentations of types of evil. But the Christian has always had to live with a distinction in a culture that was hostile to truth. That's the nature of being on the narrow path as opposed to the broad one, the wide one. Mm -hmm. So today our topic is after the kids how a 90s campaign is working on us and our kids today. Wow. If you are familiar with um, this program and you've listened for a long enough time to hear us discuss After the Ball, Mm -hmm. um, you'll know that that's where I'm grabbing today's topic from or today's show title because uh, this book I have referred to so many times. and, And, you know, not to be sort of like, You know, taking I don't want this to be like my whiteboard, you know, or like my nine 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 plan. You know, people are just like, (laughs) that's all she talks. But there are times where I'm just like, guys, the things that we're about to present to you today, the things that we're about to talk about are taken straight from the playbook after the ball. And and I don't even think that it's like specifically taken from the playbook. But I think that the playbook was so entrenched in our culture Mm. that it can be employed without regard to its origin. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like people are just doing these things because these things were so well done in the '90s, and the results were so great. And I, you have to twist your thinking here just for a second, okay? <laughs> Not great in a good way. Not exactly, exactly <laughs> great right. for the opposition. Yeah. The results were so great. Um, why would you need to change anything? And so what you see now is people continually coming back to this this book after the ball, um, how America will conquer its fear and hatred of gays in the '90s was co-authored by uh, Marshall Kirk, who died in 2005, and Hunter Madsen. And Marshall Kirk was a neuropsychiatrist, and Hunter Madsen is a marketing um, expert. Mm-hmm. And they originally, this was, a, was an article that was written in 1987 that then kind of expanded to become this book that has since um, gone out of print. So if you've got one, hold on to it. If you can rent it from the library, borrow it from the library, then do that. Read it. You'll be shocked. But what you will see as you read the book, and I've referred to it many times on this program, you will see that there was just a series of campaigns that were sort of released in the American culture Mm -hmm. that really changed the way we thought about sin. And I'm gonna be just point blank on that, because you could say it changed the way Americans thought about homosexuality, but that would be to reduce it to sort of like a war of preferences. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking about a war of preferences. Well, I prefer women, and there are some women who prefer women, and I prefer men, and and no, this is not a war of preferences. What I'm talking about is the way you had a concerted effort made to change Americans view of sin. Mm -hmm. What would have long been understood to be sin? What would have even been medically defined as a mental issue as some sort of psychological issue? And in order for that to happen, in order for that redefinition to happen, there had to be a series of campaigns that were launched under the watchful eye of people working in cahoots with the media, people working to reeducate Americans, people working to change narratives and all of these things. And it was successful. (laughs) It was man. consistent. We're living it in was it now. Strong. We are living like, in it now.
0: You see, I mean, you, when you saw, was like, man, you can't watch anything without seeing this agenda being pushed or seeing, That's right. you know, Man, it was happening. What was it was happening in real time and it's still yes, happening. You know, to exactly where right. this stuff is normalized and, and after the ball, it talks about the strategy to do all of that. It's crazy. Yes. It's crazy.
1: Line by line, yeah. um, campaign by campaign, right. even uh developing new terminology, jamming and 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 all of those, those in the in the uh unconverted middle, and those people <laughs> who were not against you, but they're not necessarily for you, like kind of focus on those people. You're not gonna really be able to get the people who are staunch opposed and all I mean it's just it is it is um it's incredible to read it because you could see as you read it how understanding um, psychology and understanding the way people think and then even understanding marketing understanding mm. how people like to see themselves you know this is um, you see this often in car commercials you know like so they do um, they test in marketing do people want to just see the car or do they want to see themselves in the car? Well, people want to see a combination of both, but they really want to see themselves in the car because mm-hmm. it so feeds into our ego, how we think about ourselves. It's not just the car, but it's us in the car. And these guys understood marketing. They understood how to create these campaigns that would change the way we think. Well, here's what I'm saying today. I'm saying that there is a the, a, a very similar type of war that we are in the midst of a very similar type of campaign that is aimed at our children. And the proof that it is working is that we are seeing kids identify as non-binary in skyrocketing numbers. Mm -hmm. It is it is unimaginable. And and also as we see kids identify as non-binary. And I'm going to talk to you about this article here that's out of Maryland As you see these kids identifying as non-binary, at the same time they are saying that their parents are supportive of this.
0: So for those who don't understand they're hearing this non-binary, what is that?
1: So when a kid or when an adult identifies as non-binary, that person is saying, I am not male or female. Mm. That person is saying that there are not just two choices, okay, male or female. That person is suggesting they. Um which we know and I'm gonna be very careful here, which mm-hmm. we know we are dealing with male or female. Right. Okay. Biologically right. we're dealing with male or female. Right. And then also God told us that He made them male and female. That's right. So, so we know upon knowing that we are dealing with either male or female, but what Satan has corrupted in our culture today and in the minds of men, the rebellion against God, right? This is a challenge to the wisdom of God is that there can be more than just the binary. There doesn't just have to be male or female. So when you, when you're talking about kids uh, increasingly identifying as non-binary, this is to suggest that that kid, and I'm talking about kids and I'm going to, we're going to get into the report on the other side of this break. Those kids are saying I am not male or female. In fact, I am whatever I want to be on any given day. I get to choose my pronouns. My pronouns may be she or him, um, but they, my pronouns might also be they, or them, or zim, or z. Ze- and I'm, I'm not making, making that up and trying to be like funny about. That's, that is real. <laughs> that people are coming up with pronouns and ways to describe themselves. Okay, and I mean that in a plural sense, to avoid the wisdom of God or to deny the wisdom of God, which right. they cannot do. Right. They cannot do. Uh, we'll grab the break and we'll come back with a little bit more Erin the addisons please stay close I strike,
0: we are heal hands is
1: Of is the yes he he one. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you spending this hour of your day with us and allowing us to spend this hour of the day with you as well. I'm Miki.
0: And I'm Will, and it's Todd Delaney, the Anthem.
1: Um, This article out of uh, Maryland um, is talking about a rise in the number of students identifying as non-binary in one of their school districts, the largest uh, public school system in Maryland. Uh, This article says that it saw a 582 percent increase. (laughs) Let me just go back. Is that a real No, you go ahead. Right. Like that's a (laughs) made up. It's (laughs) almost uh, sort of Mr. O'Hare. You know, like right. photosynthesis. That's a made up word. It it almost seems like there cannot be that type of percentage increase. Doesn't that just become like a new thing in, in that just a new data set? I, I don't know. It just <laughs> seems astronomical. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to continue reading here and then kind of fold it into the discussion again uh, after after the kids mm. after the kids. So here we go. The largest public school system in Maryland saw a 582% increase in the number of students identifying as non binary over two years. Guys, over two years, a 582% increase in the number of students identifying as non binary, according to a snapshot of data collected or shared by a district official. Okay, I'm going to continue. Of course with much commentary and cross-reference there's another article i want to bring in and then just remind you of the book after the ball and and where all of this comes from and how we get to this place and then also how we can resist how we can resist okay but it's it's okay Uh, montgomery county public schools mcps Provides an intake form to students every year designed to understand and support a student's gender identity. This is another one of those things that falls into the category that I think parents should be asked if their kids are allowed to fill this out. Even though I'm using this information Mm -hmm. to to rally you, I do believe that this information should not be collected on kids by schools without the parents express permission, not as a default not opt out. I think it should be opt-in, but I digress, here we go. The form asks students for their identified name, identified gender, and their preferred pronouns. Students are also asked whether or not their parents or guardians are aware of their gender, and if so, to rank their level of support on a scale from one to 10. That's gonna be important for a little bit later here. So they rank their parental support on a scale from one to 10. The form notes that parents and guardians should only be involved in the completion of the form if they are aware and supportive of their child's gender identity. (laughs) The form notes that parents and guardians Mm -hmm. should only be involved in the completion of the form Mm -hmm. if they are aware and supportive of the child's gender identity. So can I tell my mom about my new gender identity? Can we can we talk about filling this out only if your mom is going to be supportive or has already <laughs> demonstrated that she is supportive? Okay, wow. So so again, this is a snapshot of the school and what it looks like to not believe that the parent has authority over the Man. child. Okay, this is to put oneself in the place of the parent And to dictate to the parent the level of involvement that the parent can have in the child's life. Now, these if this is supposed to be critical to the child's well-being, if kids are suicidal because of struggling in this area, okay? And that's what we keep telling parents, sort of like from a bullhorn, just kind of throwing it out there. But then when it comes down to real students and real parents, we say, but don't tell the parents, but keep the parents how could such a critical moment in a kid's development mm. and expression if you will be kept from the parents and that seen as healthy well in a world where the school is the new parent this is totally understandable wow. in a, in a world where the parents are intruders this is totally understandable mm. Guys, this this is where we live today. We Mm. we kid ourselves into thinking that we still have some level of authority in our kids' lives. We we kid ourselves because we're holding on to the relics of the past where we have had authority in our kids' lives, and so we say we must still have that, right? I mean, they didn't, they they can't. You you know, you look person to person. They can't take that away, can they? Can they really take away parental authority? Is that something they could do? They can't do that. Can well, yeah, they can, and they have, and they continue to do it. They continue to do it. Pictures shared from MCPS's Pride Alliance meeting show the results of these intake forms over the last four school years. In 2019, now listen to this, and and there's a lot of numbers here that I'm about to give, but I'm gonna do what I try to do very carefully. Slow down so that you can process the numbers with me. In 2019, So, go back year before the pandemic. You got to get like a little point of reference, okay? So, in 2019, 35 35 MCPS students, so this school district, Mm -hmm. the largest in Maryland, Mm -hmm. okay? 35 35. students indicated Mm -hmm. that they identify as non binary. 2019. In
0: 2019,
1: Mm -hmm. 35 students. Okay. The majority of those students were middle school students, by the way. That's another something that we need to explore. Mm. However, those numbers appear to have skyrocketed as 239 identified as such in 2021. Wow. Wow. Okay. (laughs) A breakdown of those numbers show that 18 students were elementary schoolers, 129 were middle schoolers, and 92 were high schoolers. So where do we have the big problem here with the middle schoolers? Mm-hmm. There's there's something happening with our little preteen, early teen kids that is causing a heavy, heavy influence in their life. There's mm. something that's getting at them. OK, there, there there is something about the protection, maybe the extra protection that parents show for their elementary school kids. And there's something about maybe sort of like that fixed posture of the high schooler that is just maybe in a place where it's like, no, I'm not going to, I I have, but there's still some influence there by the way, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you can't get to 239 by not having influence in each of these grade levels. Right. 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 But there's something happening with these middle schoolers that I think should be concerning back to the um, article here. Overall 423 intake forms have been submitted over the last four years showing that 45% of MCPS students identify as non-binary. 45%, 45% of the students identify as non-binary. Data also show that most students feel their parents or guardians are supportive, with 55% giving them a score of 8 to 10.
0: Hmm. Oh, okay. So... Okay.
1: (laughs) What's... What's concerning about that Mm -hmm. is we're being overrun by a collective narrative that is telling us as parents, or let me say this, asking the question, right, do you want a dead daughter or a a living son? Mm. That's the question. That's the question that parents Mm. keep getting asked. That's the question that parents are, um, observing across social media. Cause look, often when we have these conversations, you know, we'll say things like, man, you our kids are being influenced by social media. You know, we take steps. We want to protect the kids, but can I just, you know, man, respectfully, but guys, let's just, at some point you have to get to the place where you say, man, you know, I'm not as strong as I think I am. I may need to take a step back from some of the strong influencers on social media. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the parents are now being influenced by social media as well. Because when you've got people like, say, for example, Jojo Siwa, who comes out and identifies as a member of the LGBTQ plus IA community and, you know, these parents feel a sense of affinity for her because, oh, my daughter used to wear all of her bows and I took my daughter to her concerts and, and we just love JoJo Siwa. And, I mean, just she's just so fun and she sprinkles and she's pixie dust and I just, I love JoJo Siwa. And so then when JoJo Siwa comes out and then JoJo Siwa is featured on Good Morning America and JoJo Siwa is all across social media and she's got a large following, by the way, millions of followers, okay, which include your children and probably some of you, right? So then what happens is parents are consuming this. And as parents consume this, because the narrative is also from the, the media um, uh, tools, okay, the, the people who present themselves as the anchors, they are tools. They, they, they <laughs> are peddling a narrative. They, I'm trying to be careful here, but they are the useful tools, okay, right, useful tools that are trying to convert the parents and the children. And so what do these anchors do when they present these stories, when they, oh, and good morning on oh, Good Morning America today. JoJo Siwa living her best life now as the whatever comes out as whatever and has the full support of her mom. So then what happens? It reinforces this belief that to be a supportive parent and to be the kind of parent that will lend himself or herself to the to the success of your kid is to support your kid in all that your kid wants to dally into. Mm. I mean, this is this is absolutely ridiculous. And if you
0: don't, you're going to cause harm to them.
1: Do you <laughs> want a dead daughter mm. or a living son? Do you want it? That's the question. And that and that is on purpose because that's that's the campaign. That's the narrative. And so you hear it everywhere. You see it everywhere. You see all of the support. You see these new families being formed. And so you've got parents who are just like, I cannot bear the thought of losing my kid. I can't bear the thought of losing my kid. And so I will do whatever it takes to hold on to my kid. That means I will support my kid in a lie. I will agree with my kid in the midst of what seems to me, if it's legitimate, it would be immense mental illness if it's legitimate. But in many cases, it's not even legitimate. It's just this generation's stonewashed genes. <laughs> so everybody wants to do it. You've got some kids who are sick and tired of just being ordinary. Guys, these are not unfamiliar to us as adults. That's, there's a reason that we're older than our children. We have lived longer than they are living. We have gone through some of the things that they are going through right now. And we're supposed to be the adults, like we're supposed to be the big people in the room. Mm. But instead, what we often find ourselves doing is just agreeing with the littles. Why? Because the momentum of the culture is on their side. Mm. But that doesn't mean we're supposed to like cower. Like, Mm. I I mean, who cares? The momentum is, on. they're all running headlong toward a cliff. I'm not about to go after that unless, unless my kid has already gotten a head start. I'm running in that direction to snatch you back by the collar. And then after that, we're, do- we're, not, we're not going in that direction. What is the problem? What is the problem here? The problem is that parents need to be stronger than we are. We cannot agree with our kids just to be friends with them. We tell our kids all the time, God, there's nowhere in Scripture. Listen, there is nowhere in Scripture. Guys, you search it. You check me on this. If I'm wrong, I'll humbly repent. Please show me. Give me the book, give me the chapter, give me the verse. Even if you give me ballpark, just give me book and chapter, and I'll I'll go read that and find it for myself. But get me started anywhere in Scripture where where you can show me that God has commanded us to be a friend to our children. Where, Where does he call us to be a comrade with our children? Buddy, buddy, you like me, I like you. Nope. Discipline calls for discipline, calls for training, calls for instruction. Call for loving, call for not being a willing party to their destruction. Mm. I mean, it, it, that's all throughout scripture. But we have taken pop cultural psychology that says, you know, kids really need a friend today. Well, then have another kid, <laughs> or move into a neighborhood where you got more kids for them, but that's not you. That's not you. Now, does that mean, please do not hear me say, look, guys, I I feel like I don't even need to say this. We'll bring some of the kids on the show here in a couple (laughs) weeks so you guys can put your mind at ease. Our kids like us. Okay, we have a great time with them. We laugh a lot. We joke a lot. Man, but listen, they know for a fact and agree with this, that we are not here to be their friend. We are not here to make them like us. It's an added bonus that they like us and that they enjoy us. But that's, that's I'm, not, I'm not here. If that's my aim, if that's my drive to make you like me, then it's going to be very difficult for me to instruct you. Mm. Because what am I going to do when you grimace? What am I going to do when you purse your lips and roll your eyes? Oh, that's going to be crushing to me. Not, not to me, I mean, but to <laughs> one. We are losing our kids. Mm. We are losing our kids at an astronomical rate. And, I, and I, I was saying here recently because our kids are being influenced, mm-hmm. but I'm more and more convinced that the parents are also being influenced. I'm more and more convinced that the parents are also softening because mm. it's just easier to do.
0: And it's amazing because I'm thinking back to growing up and I didn't think of my parents as my friends. And, right. you know, <laughs> there was no problem there. Like there were times where I didn't like the instruction. There were times where I was like, man, like, this is tough. You know, like, I want to mm-hmm. do what I want to do. But they did not budge. And my dad, praise the Lord for him. Like, Amen. he was present and he was there to to discipline me, also to encourage me. Yeah. But there was a lot of discipline. And I'm like, man, so we, they were not soft in that generation. My parents were not soft. No. But how no. is it that we've become so, like, jelly-like?
1: influence." With- <laughs> Influence. Man. I think the influence as the culture shifts, that influence um infiltrates our homes. It mm. infiltrates our families. You know, and, and I it's interesting. I, I find myself saying similar things to our kids that my mom said to us. And and I, I'm it's not like I log those things away, like, oh, I'm gonna use that when I'm a mom. Like some mm-hmm. of the stuff I was like, I'm never gonna say that to my kid. You know what <laughs> I mean? But but I find myself saying it like if it's like so and so is doing this, it's like <laughs> But I'm not so and so's mama. Mm. That's not my kid. So, so don't compare what you get to do to what this kid is doing. Like right. that's I'm I am accountable to God for you. Amen. I have been entrusted by the Lord with you. All right, we'll take the break and be right back.
0: My oxygen,
1: I can't live without you. Oh man, it was just getting good. Welcome back. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki.
0: And I'm Will and as Oxygen by Zanti.
1: Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 and 17. Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 and 17. Verse 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Mm. Anybody need to do research to see that that's true? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Anybody signing up for research? Anybody? Um, or can, is simple. it just immediately obvious, right? Like it yeah. just, you can see it. You yep. can see it. Verse 17, correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. Correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. I'm telling you, it man, There, you go through these moments and I, I want to um, turn to another piece here before we run out of time. Um but just as a reminder and an encouragement to parents, look, when you put your foot down and you say, look, we're not doing that. I'm sorry, you're not going there. No, you're not going to be a part of that. You're not going to be immersed in that. You're, you, no, you don't have my permission to do that. Um, look, it it can be really kind of uncomfortable mm. because, look, you know, we all remember what it was like to want to, you know. But, man, to see your kids shaped in godliness and to see your kids um, begin to come around where you don't have to prohibit so much anymore, they actually can kind of see it, and they're like, "Man, yeah. I don't even want to do." You know what, I, right? Yeah, like, yeah, th- that that's like that's a sweet moment. That right. that is a delight to a parent's heart, where your kid doesn't even ask because it's like, "Man, I don't even want." I see that. <laughs> I see that, and I reject that. I don't even want to be there. But you know what? In order to get to that place, man, there's a lot of instruction. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of correction. Yeah. There's a lot of reproof that goes into it. And there are many times where you got to, like, you know, rock, paper, scissors. Who's going who's gonna to handle this <laughs> one? You know, but, man, you got to do it. And you got to do it for the glory of God. All right, I'm running out of time. Let me let me do this quickly. I'll give the number. We may get around to one or two calls here. But I do want to make sure you get this information. I want to make the connection after the ball. And I'll try to do this as quickly as possible. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Um, Podcast, I want to recommend here, um, the Christian Post has a podcast. It's almost sort of like a documentary-style podcast. It's uh, You could call it a docucast if you want. It's a five-part series uh, hosted by Brandon Showalter, who's a journalist. We've had him on this program before to even talk about the sexual identity craze and things like that. But the, the five-part series that he has um, is Generation Indoctrination Inside the Transgender Battle. Generation Indoctrination Inside the Transgender Battle. And he interviewed a couple people for this, and two of them I want to refer to an article written about this uh, particular series here that I think is so important. So he interviewed a therapist from Loudoun County, Virginia, who only wanted wanted to be identified by the name Carla, just to protect her identity. And I would say, I'm adding this by extension, her business, her livelihood, her <laughs> right, family, and canceled. every. I mean, come <laughs> on. I mean, it is no question why she would just want to be referred to as Carla. But here, I want to read this to you, and I want you to be thinking about this. So in Carla's counseling practice, she now sees many young people who are distressed about their sex. The shift was sudden, and she felt unprepared to see the sharp increase. As she researched the problem further, she discovered a troubling trend among youth. Not only were they spending inordinate amounts of time on their phones and social media, but they had been inculcated with the language of mental health conditions and therapy. How many kids do you hear expressing to you their own like mental health issues? How many kids? I just have social anxiety disorder. Mm. I just feel I, I, I just I'm, I'm I can't because it is pervasive all across social media. People, kids, are picking up these terms, adopting them, using them, throwing them around, right? Okay, back to this article. Quote, this generation has a rush to label and or diagnose, and we're doing it to kids at younger and younger ages. More and more, it's becoming the norm that we construe normal feelings Mm. and label it as an illness, an abnormality, or a disorder, end quote. That's what Carla said. She continued, quote, "People are calling kids as young as 11 pansexual, by, or probably gay, before the child themselves even knows." <laughs> and by the way, this is not only happening in a counseling setting, or whatever, which I, I mean I'm questioning you know, whether a kid should be in a counseling setting where someone would be throwing out those labels. But this is happening in ways, in places where parents don't expect and have every right to expect that it shouldn't be happening in schools. Yeah, It's, it's happening on Sesame Street. <sighs> it's happening across social media. A little bit more from this article here. This is important, and this is the connection that I'm making to After the Ball. Here we go. Contemporary trans activism relies upon an especially radical notion of selfhood please lean in for this guys don't don't miss this I'm gonna start again contemporary trans activism relies upon an especially radical notion of selfhood the idea that the self is sovereign the self is sovereign According to Mary Rice Hassan, an attorney and scholar at the Ethics and Public Policy Center in Washington, D.C., in the United States, she said, society arrived at a critical juncture approximately seven years ago when the U.S. Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage nationwide in Obergefell v. Hodges. Once Obergefell came down in, 2000, in 2015, listen, guys, the deal that was struck between the transgender groups and the activists who were very much about queer theory was, all right, we were backing you. Now you've got same-sex marriage. It's our turn. Mm. The T was added to the LGB because in some respects, they were kept under wraps, Hassan said. She is absolutely right. Yep. Listen, okay, right? <laughs> okay. Man. the ball. This is after the ball. And yep. there was so much. And guys, look, I struggle with brevity. You all know it. You all know I struggle with being brief. Okay. So when I, when I look at these quotes that I want to pull out, it is so difficult because I want to make sure that you have as much context as possible. But because I want to go to the phone lines, I'm going to read a, a portion of after the ball for you that I cannot set in a whole lot of context. But here we go. To Miss Hassan's point. All right. That the deal was struck is, okay. you guys got marriage. Y'all told us to hang back. All right. And so now here we are and, and we're ready to have all of the support and all of the backing that we freely gave you. We didn't want to be an impediment to the movement, but now it is our turn. So from after the ball, quote, it cannot go without saying, incidentally, that groups on the farthest margins of acceptability, such as NAMBLA, must play no part at all in such a campaign. Suspected child molesters will never look like victims. (laughs)
0: Mm.
1: Now listen. (laughs) Okay, there is so much that needs to be. In this campaign, the huge drive in the 90s was that homosexuals would be viewed as victims. And there was no way that homosexuals were going to be viewed as victims if you had men prancing around in feather boas and out, you know, gallivanting and, and you had men celebrating young love and all of these things. So those things had to take a back seat. The transvestites and all of this stuff like that. No, we the dressers, the drag queen. No, we cannot have any of that because the idea is that we have to have a wholesome appearance so that we can convert the straights. <laughs> and so now. Having succeeded largely, I mean, come on, you know, it's being in our churches, okay? So now, I mean, having succeeded largely, I mean, the the last wall of the churches have now and recognized, okay? So, so now that's a win. So now, you guys with the feather boas and the drag queens, it's your turn, and we will give our full support to you. We will give our full support to you because we have we have seen and we have conquered. That's why the book is out of print, okay, because the campaign was a success. There's no reason to keep reading it. We know instinctively now how to do it. So this same campaign is afoot in the um, conversion, if you will, of our children. The same campaign, this, this create the victims. So these kids who cannot live their fullest selves... Right. They are the victims these kids who there's a constant threat of 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 suicide. We we value children's lives so much. Right. That we've got to make sure that they live these healthy lives. And the only healthy life is the fullest expression of rebellion, self-actualization, where whatever it is I feel and think of myself, that that is the freest life that I can live. Notice that it's not a problem. If the kid wants to be non-binary, it's not a problem if the kid wants to be trans, which, by the way, it's not transition. It's just trans. That's the thing. And people don't understand that. There's no stop for the bus. It's just get on the bus. Mm. Where are we going to pull the cord and ring the bell? Nope, there's no cord pulling. Trans is the thing. And people don't realize that. The campaign has been successful. The campaign has worked to desensitize adults. And the campaign is working and is quite successful among our young people. And parents, you have to notice that, you have to watch that. You have to be you have to be vigilant regarding that, or you will lose your children. And man, I, I try not to be sensational, but I'm like, we hear from too many parents and grandparents that they are losing their children and their grandchildren. This is not like, hey, this might happen. No, it's happening right now. And it's happening in the Lord's church. It's happening among the faithful who thought, man, I, I was doing everything that I knew to do. This is so insidious. How did this creep? Well, because there were many points of entry. Mm. And I've often said, I'll make this point and then we'll go to the phone lines. I've often said, man, and looking at what is going on in the culture today, as a parent, I feel like a goalie. I feel like it's like boom, 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 all of these different, and you're just throwing yourself full lunge at this to block it so that you can protect your kids, giving them a fighting chance at living for the glory of God. In those formative years, you're trying to give them a fighting chance where they can, man, can they just, don't touch the children. But they don't want to contend with convicted adults. Like they don't want to contend with those adults who know what they believe, have strong conviction, that they are resolute. No, they don't want to deal with that because, you know, that's, that's us. Hmm. No, what they want is they want little kids who will smile and nod because they believe you. Because you've normalized yourself in their sight. That's what they want. With the Great, where do we go?
0: All right, let's go to Scott in North Carolina. Hi, uh, Scott.
1: Hey, guys, how you doing? Hello. So um, I have an analogy
0: here. Um, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Now, if I were to go out and buy myself a big bathrobe and a lightsaber and wave my hand in front of my wife and say, you will make me a sandwich, (laughs) um, I I can pretend all I want. But a Jedi, I am not. Mm. Now, if my wife
1: were to go along, is she enabling me? Is she affirming me? No, she's helping my mental illness. And at some
0: point, and you hit, you said this earlier. When we go along with this stuff, we are further damaging because we're spreading a lie.
1: Mm. Scott, you're right on. You're right on. You know, one of the one of the points I made, I remember this a few years ago, um, actually several years ago, um, at at an event. It was a Truth for New Generation event where we were doing a panel discussion, and and I said, you know, I'm I'm looking at this as sort of our generation's uh, anorexia and bulimia. And one of the questions that was for young people, you know, if you've got a friend who is struggling with an image that is untrue, and that person thinks that that he or she is overweight, and you're really you're looking at somebody that's eighty five, ninety pounds, would you say to that person, "Yeah, you are fat"? Would you say, "Yeah, you could stand to lose a few pounds"? Well, you wouldn't, because you understood, or you would understand that mm-hmm. to say that, to affirm that, would be to to be complicit in the destruction of that person. Right. I'm convinced that the reason we don't tell the truth is because we don't really believe that what people are engaging in today is destructive. We don't really believe that it leads to destruction. Mm. Will the Great, where do we go next?
0: Let's go to Jerry in Texas. Hi, Jerry. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Uh, Just wanted to hit on the same thing that Miki had said about
1: uh, being a friend to your child. I'm going to make it quick so they hear the music. I tell mine at least three times a week when they get angry with me or frustrated because I make them do something that they don't want to do, that I am not their friend. I am not somebody from their school. God gave you to me Mm. to raise in his likeness, in his image. And when you get over your anger, you will see that my love will still be there for you. Mm. And there has not been a day when I'm at home and they come home from school that they don't come in and give me the warmest hug and greeting and say, daddy. So it doesn't matter how hard you are on them. They need it and they desire it. Rather, they know it or not. I'm going to let you go. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. That is a great way for us to wrap up the show. We've got to be convinced that what God has instructed us to do is good and right and true. And that, again, he is wise. Amen. Until tomorrow, Lord willing.
0: God bless.